Hi, I'm Tilly. I'm a dog behaviourist that does home visits to animals southeast of England, and my company is called Fawn Dog One to One Dog Training. So, I want to do a couple of podcasts on rescue dogs. Yeah, so rescue dogs are really close to my heart. Um, I've got rescue dogs myself, and I feel as a as a behaviourist, really, it's my my duty, if you like, to take in only rescue dogs. It wouldn't sit right with me if I just went and got a puppy from a breeder or anything like that, even if I wanted, you know, a special breed or anything, because there's so many out there that need adopting. And, and where I have kind of knowledge and, and time, and obviously it's my career, that I feel like I should be getting rescue dogs only, right? And especially ones that, you know, really need a home, like they're very difficult to home because they've got strong aggression and, and whatnot. So... I do like taking them in and, and it's nice seeing them change as well and, and seeing them kind of go over their problems. I love that. So I do want to talk about them, but they're, they, they can be difficult. Yeah, they're often in rescue centres for a reason. So I want to go over the process of, of you know, bringing them in and, and hopefully rehabilitating them as well um, and what to expect from a rescue dog. I don't want to kind of push too much on adopt, don't shop because... Like I said, they, they often do have problems and it's often really hard work. Um, but there are so many in centres, especially after this, this COVID and the lockdown and everything. Rescue centres are saying they're at least 30% more full. Now that's, you know, that's that's insane really. So what's happening is the rescue centres aren't putting dogs down. That's not, that's not usually what happens. What happens is they're full and they can't take any more in. So what happens with these dogs that can't get in a rescue centre but need to go somewhere, yeah? Well, they get put down, unfortunately. So this is why, um, if you can rescue, please do. There are so many needing homes. So, first of all, I want to talk about kind of choosing your rescue dog. Now, it can be quite difficult to even get hold of one, you know? Um, a lot of them have rules and regulations. Most of them like you to have um, six-foot fencing around your garden no matter how big your garden is they'd like you to have it yeah so that's really important because a lot of dogs will just escape and they're and they're very used to that and they're used to having phone calls all oh, my dogs escape so they're trying to what they're trying to do is safeguard themselves so you're not going to lose a dog now some dogs can clear that I once saw a dog it was um it was a greyhound cross husky apparently and, and it, it did look like that actually look shape of a greyhound but husky markings absolutely beautiful and it cleared a 12 foot fence i mean fortunately it had a, it had a lead on and but but you know it managed to get up it and then it kind of sprang back down because it had a lead on it but 12 foot like like it was nothing didn't even try so that's what they're trying to trying to get at you know make sure you've got that that garden and a lot of them say no children well, that's often because the dog has got, you know, aggression issues, you know. So as soon as they say that, you know, and no pets, again, you're looking at some sort of reactivity there that they've had um, in the past or or why they've been there. Um, so it can be very hard to get hold of them. So in that case, you might be tempted to get a dog from abroad, um, you know, which is, which is another way you can go. I'm not, again, pushing both both things, you know. Dogs from abroad can have their own problems because a lot of them are not as domestic as the dogs we've got in this country. And, and what I mean by that are there's, there's such thing called a village dog, okay? Now, genetically, they're not a wolf, right? But they're not a domestic dog either. They're not a mix. They're their own thing. And they are just dogs that have been bred over generations to live this kind of feral lifestyle, 
um, I've got one myself from Romania. Um, and, and often the, the recipe centers might say, oh, you know, it's a collie mix or something like that. Um, but if you get them DNA tested, and I recommend Embark for DNA, I don't recommend any anyone else. Wisdom panel are pretty good, but they do not have as many breeds as Embark. So if you want to get a DNA test, Embark are people to go to. But these these dogs are are more likely to have problem behaviours. And even if you get a, a proper breed, something like something like a hound um, or some sort of working dog, again. It's not going to be working dog like we have in this country. Yeah, we've we've started over the last kind of two hundred years really of breeding our working dogs to be less working. Yeah, because we want them more in family pets. Well, out there in these other countries, they are still working. You know, even if you get a puppy, sometimes you don't get puppies. A lot of them are puppies, um, which I think is slightly suspicious. But anyway, some of them are adult dogs, and you've got to think where is this adult dog been? You know, they, they often don't know the background, which is fair enough, but a lot of them are on farms and, and working dogs and they're used to being outside. This means they get a lot of enrichment. Yeah, so they're used to being independent, so they're not going to want to listen. They're used to getting lots of enrichment and, and looking for things and patrolling areas. This means they might have guarding issues, they might want to be adverse to strangers, and they're used to being busy all the time. Even if they're just sloping around a farm and not getting walked, it doesn't matter. The fact that they are outdoors all the time you know, digging holes, chewing things, they're chasing the occasional rat around. It gives them enrichment all day long. And then we bring them into our houses and expect them to do largely nothing apart from their one hour walk a day. And and often these these dogs from abroad are not hardwired to be like that. So rescue dogs from abroad are their own kettle of fish, is what I'm trying to say. They're often a lot easier to get hold of, as in you don't have to jump through so many hoops. Um, but do be aware that often their traits are harder. Most of the dogs I work with, well, there's there's a, there's a few top breeds I work with, but I would say in the top four, the top four that I see the most is dogs from abroad. And it's because of these reasons. They are just hardwired different and they just need more. Yeah, so more stimulation, more exercise, more boundaries, more training, um, more discipline, basically. That's why, that's why they're harder. So, that's, that's something to consider. Again, I wouldn't say no because I know some other dogs from abroad um, and they're absolutely lovely and, and to be honest, temperament-wise, even looks-wise, you wouldn't know the difference. So I don't want to put you off too much, but I'm just saying have an awareness kind of what you're walking into. Um, for instance, my little dog Flicker, she's a village dog because I got a DNA check. They they told me she was low energy, um, good with dogs, good with, good with kids, good with people. Um, you know, and, and she tried to fight. <laughs> I got her about about four and a half, five months old, because that's that's the age they can't come over from the seas any earlier than that because they've got to have the tetanus jab. So that's the earliest I got her. Um, and on day one, she she started to try and fight the 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 Keita that lived with me um, over just a handful of biscuits. I mean, fortunately. You know, she she was in a crate at the time, so she couldn't actually get anywhere, and the dogs were just kind of walking past. But she did try and attack them. Um, she also attacked my housemate the same day, and she was just terrified of life and extremely high energy. So don't always go for what you see on the tin. Yeah, the only kind of giveaway I knew when I met Flicker was was that she just was terrified. I could see that straight away. She just kind of sat there shaking, um, and when I brought her home. She she just hid. She just hid in in two weeks. Um, people didn't even know I had a dog. 
because she would just hide behind the sofa, not even with me, you know, she wouldn't even come out with me. It took two weeks before she'd actually come out of her hiding place. Um, you know, and I wasn't told any of this. I was just told she was <laughs> a lovely family dog that's great, great with everything. And it turns out she's um, she's not great with anything, <laughs> not not naturally anyway. Well, she's, she's actually, she's highly intelligent and she likes to please and, and she's good at chasing things, but you get the idea. So... If you can, if you can kind of stick with dogs in this country, it's a lot easier. So another way you might want to go are breed-specific rescues, yeah? So uh, my first dog was a greyhound, and I've still got her, actually, she's 13 now. But I found rescuing from a greyhound rescue was a lot easier, and there's less hoops to jump through again. Um, I think this is probably because they've got less less problem behaviours really because they haven't actually come from a rescue situation there most of them are kind of retired from the track so <clears throat> you you might have to go through the the thing about little dogs um like sky she didn't really understand that little dogs weren't actually rabbits and when i say little i mean anything from a spaniel and smaller she literally thought that she needed to kind of chase and kill them that took her a little while to get over i don't think most greyhounds are that highly driven though i think they kind of get over it a lot quicker than sky did sky took a, a couple of years before i could trust her properly um but with them, I didn't even have a garden. I actually had a shared garden and, and they let me rehome her and they were absolutely fine with all of that. So you might find different rescues have got different roles. So it's worth kind of looking around and things like that. So that's kind of just choosing your rescue. Um, definitely, if you, if you want to go through kind of breed specifics, which is great because, you know, you kind of know what you're getting a bit more, do your research on them. They're, they are all different. And, and research what kind of common problem behaviours they have as well, because they might well be in rescue for one of these problem behaviours. They're not, they're not all hard to fix. Uh, hopefully we can cover some today. Um, and, and quickly, actually, if you're ever kind of wondering if you want to see any of my techniques, I have got some, a uh, few videos on, on YouTube, and I think there's a link there. But a lot of videos are doing on TikTok. So follow me on TikTok and you'll, you'll actually see some physical, you know, techniques and things like that. So that concludes our choosing a rescue thing. Yeah, so you know what you're doing now. We can tick that off, get that out of the way. Choose your rescue centre, pick what kind of dog you're looking for, that kind of thing. In my next podcast, I'm going to say how you actually choose your particular dog. Yeah, so you've got a particular centre or even a breed, but how you know you're choosing the right dog. It's not always easy, and we're going to go through reasons why as well. But I'm going to give you the best head start to what to look for um, and what you, you know, probably want to avoid as well. Okay, so thanks for listening, and see you next time. If you're interested um, in more videos or stuff that I do, I am on TikTok. I usually put my TikTok videos also on Facebook and Instagram, so just search Fawn Dog for those. And the main website is fawndog121dogtraining.co.uk. Thanks for listening, guys.